started his ministry this way, and he's going to end his ministry this way. So let me, I'm reading out of the New International Translation, John chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. By, by the way, the Sea of Tiberias was in Galilee. He had told them to meet him in Galilee. So this sea is right there by Galilee. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. They said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got in the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him say it, he, was, he had heard him say it, he said, it is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire in the burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed the board and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. But even with as many as the net was not torn, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. The text, Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Father, we thank you this morning because your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. And we thank you for the lesson today, Lord, for it is in the lessons that we learn many things about your sovereignty and your word and the things that you have for us. We ask that you would bless us, strengthen us, illuminate us with your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I give just a simple thought to this message? I just want to call it go fishing. I want to call it go fishing, go fishing. What is interesting about, about the text that, that I like is because in Luke 5, if you remember in Luke 5, verse 1 through 11, he called his disciples who were fishermen. He called seven of the 12 disciples were fishermen. So there was a majority that was fishermen. And by the way, if we divide this chapter up, there are two analogies in the chapter in John 21. The first analogy that he uses is fish. Later on in the text, starting in verse 15 on down, he uses the analogy of being shepherds. That was the two illustrations Jesus used as far as getting us to do what we need to do. Sometimes he would talk about us being fishermen, and then he would talk about us being shepherds. And there's, there's a contrast between the two, and I don't have time to deal with the shepherd right now today. I want to deal with the fishermen. Because what's important about fishermen, here, here we are, let's start off with a, with a breaking point right away about why Jesus stood this. Remember, he called his disciples in Luke 11 to be fishers of men. He called them out. Now in, Luke, in, in John 21, he's leaving them. He's taking them back to the same analogy in which he originally called them. Because sometimes, here's the point, we get so busy in our activity of ministry, we forget the original call 
that God called us to. He called us as all. Now, now being fishermen, when I say go fishing, I'm not talking about just a preacher. This is, a, this is something that all believers can do. So let's take an analogy of fishermen. Here's what happens. I looked at this and the Lord began to show me something. Fishermen, natural fishermen, Bishop Gavin, listen to this. They catch live fish and they make them dead. Spiritual fishermen catch dead fish and make them alive. Did you catch that? A natural fisherman pulls a live fish out of the water. And he kills it. Once it's out of the water, it's dead. He takes a live fish and makes it dead. But we have been called to take dead fish and make them alive. Ephesians 2 and 1. You who he quickened, who were dead in your trespasses and sins, he's made alive. So the person that's going fishing is to bring people out of darkness into the light. So we have to, we, we're going out to catch dead fish. And the miracle is that we want to make them alive. So he pulls fishermen who knows how, who know how to push. Now, here's the other principle of fishing. Fish do not come to you. You go to them. That's why I say go fishing. If you're going to wait for people to walk in the door all the time, just because we sing in praise and worship and we sing in the house, you're going to wait for them to walk in the door. It's going to never happen. Because the Bible says you go into all the world. Matthews 28, 19. Preach the gospel. You go. You got to go out fishing. You got to go where the fish are. You got to go fishing because you got to go where fish are. If you're going to catch them, you got to go where they are. And by the way, one of the things that they knew about catching fish is that they had to go into the night because the fish don't like the light. You're a fisherman. So you know what I'm talking about. I had to study a little about it. I don't fish, but I studied enough. You know, they don't like the last one. They, they were fishing at night. They did the same thing in Luke 5 when he first met them. They were fishing all night and had not caught any fish. In fact, when, they, when Jesus told them to put their, their, their uh, nets on the right side, he did the same thing in Luke 5. You can see the contrast in Luke 5, 1 through 11. Same contrast he does in, in, in uh, John 21. Two different times. One's at the beginning of his ministry. The other is at the end of his ministry. The difference is... In the first one, they, when they caught so much fish, it could not, the nets could not hold it. Right. And they had to let somebody else come and help them because the nets would not hold. Yes, <laughs> but God said, in this end time move of God, the net did not break. In fact, the King James gives you a number of the fish. It gives you 153. Some people have tried to surmise that it may have some kind of symbolic value, but it doesn't. It's just a great number. That's all it is. It's a great number. And they had a, he took a great, but the point is that the net did not break. In Luke 5, the net broke. But in John 21, the net did not break. What happened? It means that in this move of the Spirit, in this season, you're going to bring so many folks in, and you will always have the capacity to deal with them. So none that God will give you in Calvary will be lost. And that's the real folks. 
Because you have to understand, I've been, I've been teaching a lot from John's gospel about union and communion. Because when you see that the word for union in, in, in the Greek is the word symphonia. We get our word symphony from that. And, and some of us are in union, but we really don't have any koinonia, which is fellowship, communion. That is a different. Some folks can say they're with you, but they never take time to commune with you. So they're not fellowship. It's the difference between having an acquaintance and having a friend. And some people are acquainted with God, but they have no fellowship with God. And that's why when John talks in 1 John, he says that if you say you have no sin, you lie. Because, see, if, if God's in you, you should have that koinonia, the fellowship. Because if you be with God long enough, you'll be like him. See, see what, what Jesus was teaching was, from the, uh, in contrast from the law, the law had obligations and, and, and rules and principles. But Jesus was saying, you're going to love me through relationship. Amen. And by the fact that you be with me a lot, it's going to cause you to be like me because of the relationship, not because of the obligation, not because of the command, but the fact that you have. They took notice of the disciples in the book of Acts. It says that because they had been with Jesus. So people have to take notice, not because of what you call yourself, but because of how you act. People are judging you by your behavior and not by your claims. They took notice of them in the book of Acts chapter 9 that they had been with Jesus. They were just like Jesus, not because they claimed to be an apostle, not because they claimed to be a prophet, not because they claimed to be a missionary, not because they claimed to be evangelist, but because of their behavior. Their behavior told the people in Jerusalem that they had been with this Jesus because people are judging you by your behavior. Jesus said this about the two criteria for identifying a prophet anyway. He said, he said, you identify him by his words and by his works. So Jesus said, if you don't believe the words that come out of my mouth, believe me for my very work's sake. Which is why in, in the other uh, gospels they talk about the miracles that Jesus did. John doesn't use the word miracles. In fact, he used the word signs. And in John, there are seven signs that, that prove that Jesus died prior to his crucifixion. He does seven signs. The last sign is very important because the last sign is in John chapter 11 where he raises. Well, I'll give you the first and last sign. The first sign was him turning water into wine. And then the last sign was him raising Lazarus from the dead. Because him raising Lazarus from the dead was indicative of him being raised from the dead. So he wanted to, to show the car, if I am the resurrection of life and I have authority over raising Lazarus, what do you think going to happen when I die? Come on. Amen. So you have to look at what, what God is, is seeing in the text. But, but this is the last time. Jesus is getting ready to go. He, he has his disciples who are fishermen. They had toiled all night and caught nothing. Let me give you a principle from Luke 5 before I go on further too. Because here, especially for people who are interested in doing full-time ministry, because what God did when he called his disciples was that he gave them provision before the vision. Now, now, now what, do, what do you mean by that? It means that if you are going to Go into full-time ministry. You don't just leave your job, leave your mortgage, and leave everything going to go follow Jesus. Jesus gave them two boatloads of fish before he told them to drop your nets and follow, which means technically in our vernacular, they had money in the bank, they had enough resources to take care of their families while they went off to follow Jesus. 
So some people try to go off and follow their vision without making provision first. You don't just go off your job and get ready to get sit out your house and get your car repossessed. I said, I'm in full-time ministry. I'm in full. God called me to full-time ministry. Then, no, no, you got to give a plan. Jesus knew these men. Some of these men had families. I can't just ask these men to drop their net and come following me with nothing. So I give them two boatloads of fish before I told them to drop their nets. In other words, with two boatloads, you can retire for a couple years in Jesus' day while you go off and follow me. Notice that they followed Jesus for three years, and in chapter 21, here's Peter going back to the same thing that Jesus called him out of three years ago. What else does it do? Go back because your, your vision is gone. See, out of sight, out of mind. Sometimes that's our problem in the church. When we don't see something, we're ready to give up. And we, get, we put so much confidence in human beings that we feel that when they, they're not there, we can't move. And that's why in chapter 20, when, when, he sees, when he sees Thomas, who's called Didymus, he tells him, more blessed and holy are those who have not seen yet believe. Because our faith has to be in what we hear and not so much in what we see. Because faith comes by, not by seeing. But folks tell us all the time, that's how come you fight the pastors, because I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. You're not supposed to see it. The vision is in the hands of leadership. What you're supposed to do is obey. You have to be obedient. What if these disciples had not listened to Jesus? See, our problem is, our problem is we think that we're okay in our areas of expertise. But we think that all we need to call God on is for stuff that we can't do. Remember, these are fishermen. So they had already fished all night. That was their expertise. They knew where to catch the fish. They know how to go fishing at night. And then here's Jesus calling from the shore. They don't even really know it's Jesus. According to the text, they didn't really know it's Jesus. He said, look, cast your nets on the right side. And they did what Jesus said, not arguing, not complaining, not talking about, I know, I know how to do this. What are you telling me? I know, you don't tell me what to do. Pastor Webb, you ain't no electrician. How you going to tell me where to put that thing in that no, But, you know, the Lord is telling me if you put it that wire over the net side, don't tell me. You ain't no electrician. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, but by being obedient, even though you think you know what you know, God will bless you. Because you listen to the word of the Lord. It goes beyond your expertise. Because even when you think you know, and you think you got stuff together. God always will take you out of your intellectual box. I know about that. Pastor, you don't know about things like that. I know about that. I, I'm, I really don't. And I don't fish. And Jesus didn't fish. But he told him where to throw the net. He was a carpenter by trade. He was, he was messing around with the stones. So he didn't fish. How are you going to tell me and you've never been in my profession? Because the Lord will reveal to you things inside your own box so he can see how obedient you are. Because we have a problem listening to the word of, of people when we know that what we know, what we know. We don't mind listening for what we don't know. But what I know, don't tell me I know. You try to tell me I know this. You can't tell me nothing about this. But Jesus was teaching them a word of obedience. 
Let, let me digress for a minute. What's the foundation of the church? Y'all answer me. What's the foundation of the church? Who is the foundation of the church? Be quiet, Pastor. Who's the foundation of the church? Come on, y'all tell me. Who's the foundation of the church? There you go. Apostles and prophets. You're right, Pastor. I, I want them to get it. So, yeah, yeah. What you going to say? Go ahead and tell me. Go ahead and tell me. You can tell me. Okay, you got your name. That's good. <laughs> but the apostles and the prophets are the foundation. Jesus Christ is what? The cornerstone. That's right. He is the cornerstone of the church. Some people think Jesus is a foundation. No, according to uh, uh, Ephesians 2, 19 and 20, the foundation of the church are the apostles and the prophets. Now, now, now you remember, the Greek word apostolos means one who is sent. But it's just not anybody that is sent. He is actually an ambassador. One who is sent by an authoritative leader to speak on behalf of that leader. Okay, so an apostolus has to be someone who is sent as an embassy, as an ambassador who speaks on behalf of that leader. It goes in the Latin, the word becomes missio. Comes in the English, it becomes missionary. So that's how we get our word missionary. One who is sent. So they're sent out, but it has to be an authoritative ambassador who has been authorized to speak for the king. Don't tell me about I'm a apostle, I'm a apostle. No, are you authorized? Paul dealt with them in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He dealt with folks, he called them super apostles. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, you know, what, what, you, you ain't no apostles. I know the king didn't call them pseudo. The, the king, the, the NIV just calls them super. <laughs> Trying to open, super exceed their authority. Speaking out of their place. Just false. They're making claims with their mouth, but their behavior is different. And if you notice in Christianity, it always deals with your behavior. For the fruit of the Spirit is. And the work of the flesh is. How, we can only judge your behavior. I'm not God, so I don't read your minds. All I can do is determine by the way you act. That's how you know we save. How? By the way you act. If the Bible said by your fruit or by your works, you shall know them. So I have to judge your behavior. So when you act one way and claim to be another, something's out of line here. But the Bible said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, because what you hear affects what you think. What you think affects what you see. What you see affects what you speak. And that's psychological training, but it works. Because what we keep putting into our system, Jesus says, not that which comes out of the man that defiles, not goes into the man that defiles the man, but that which comes out of the man. Because what comes out determines what went in. Because you're going to regurgitate out what went in. And so if you haven't been sitting here in the word of God, you ain't going to speak the word of God. And so what we need to get is not so much seeing with vision, but start getting enlightenment. Because we need a visitation from God. We need God to show us things that, that we, we don't really have. So we, we get some things. So in this text, Jesus is getting ready to go away. Let me, let me share two things with you. John 20, 30 and 31. 
Let me point out that John is only trying to show you throughout his whole gospel that Jesus is the Christ. But John, John 20 and 30 says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Verse 31, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in, in him. Now, that means that John was ready to close out the book, but then he got another commentary. So chapter 21 begins another chapter of what he was going to close out. But if you look at chapter 21, verse 24 and 25, he says, This is the disciple who testifies these things and who wrote them down. We know that this testimony is true. Verse 25 says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose then even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And if you read that properly, that means that all that we know about Jesus' life and ministry was not written in chronological order, which means it wasn't written in order that it was done, was written, but the things that they wrote was written so that you could believe. Enough information so that you could believe. Yeah, I'm not going to record all the miracles Jesus did. I'm not going to record every step that Jesus made. I'm not trying to write a biography about Jesus. I'm just trying to give you some clues into who he is. So John said, these are the signs. So John in his book wants to show us signs to show that he is really Jesus Christ, the Son of God. John was after signs. So in, in signs, he, he brings, so, so as you were fishermen who caught live fish, I'm going to make you fishermen to take catch dead fish. You're going to bring people out of darkness into the marvelous light. Come on, say it with me. Go fishing. And some of you need to learn what it means to go fishing because it means that you've got to take what you're to learn. See, first you start off disciples. By the way, all disciples were not apostles. See, disciple means that you're a learner. According to, uh, according to the scriptures, he called 12 originally. And then in Luke 10 and 1, Mark 10 and 1, he, ta- he called 70 or 72 others. That were disciples. According to first script is chapter 15 and verse one. There were 500 disciples on the mountain at once when he was going up for the Mount of Olives in his ascension. So there were a whole lot of disciples, but he called out 12. Here's the point. Many are called, but few are chosen. See, being called is the decision of your human will. God said, whoever wills, let him come. Being chosen, pastor, is a benefit of the sovereignty of God. Because you have no control over who he chooses. When you're chosen, you've been arrested. When you're chosen, God doesn't ask for your permission. Jeremiah 1 and 5, he said, before you form your mother's womb, I already have chosen you. In other words, your life has already been decided before you got Somebody else's life may be full of choices, but yours not. You've been arrested because the elected ones get arrested. You've been ordained before the foundation of the world. You've been, you've been selected. Everybody's not elected. All of us are called. I know we talk about that. election. Everybody, all the children of God have been elected. No, we have all been elected. But we've all been chosen. We've all been chosen and we've all been called. God says, and your response is based on that choice of God. God just happens to know your choice, but he, your response is based on that. You, you choose it one day. But one who has been elected has been selected before the foundation of the world and their whole life has been geared to doing the will of God. 
When God selected you and you get off path like, like Paul did when he was Saul, God slammed you to the ground. He's not going to do everybody like that, only the elected. <laughs> He's not going to take everybody and run them after them and run them down like a Jonah, only the elected. But because Jonah was elected, God went after him. I, I need to use only you. I can't use anybody else. I have to use you, Jonah. Look, look, look at this. Look, what do you, let me show you something about the sovereignty of, of Jesus. When, when uh, John eleven twenty seven. Let's stay in John. Let's look what he says. Look, look at the text. Look how, how beautiful he wraps this up. John eleven twenty seven. Somebody said Jesus doesn't say he's God. Look, look what he says. John 11, let's start Look at verse 27. Here's, here's, here's Mary. She, he says, I, I know you're the, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Verse 25. He that believeth in me, even though he were, he dies. And whosoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Verse 20, she says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into this world. I believe it, Lord. I believe it. <laughs> They took away the stone, and they began to look over it. Jesus, Jesus was said that, you know, you got to loose this man. you got to let him go. There's a process of, of deliverance I want, to, I want to get to here. But Jesus was, saw him. He fell at his feet. She says, here's verse 28. I want to go again. She went back and called the sister Mary and said, the teacher is here and asked for you. When Mary heard this, she got quickly and went. And now, Jesus was not yet entered the village, but he was still at the place where Martha had met him. And, and so when, when he's there, he, he goes and starts to, to regurgitate what he wants to do with, with Lazarus. Here, out of verse 38, skip down to verse 38. Jesus, once more moved, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave. And he says, take away the stone. He said, but Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. For he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did not I tell you that if you believe, you shall see the glory of God? See our expertise always getting in the way? We always telling God what we know. And God always trying to tell us what to do. She's telling him, don't open the tomb because it's stinking. He's been in there four days. Now I know this is my earth. Don't you open the door, Lord. Now isn't that somehow we try to instruct God? And we do it every day because we try to remind God what we already know. And God's always trying to tell you something out your comfort zone. So it, it, it doesn't work that way. But when they finally obeyed, here's the key. Obedience will get you victory. Yes. Obedience. Obedience will get you. Being obedient to what God wants you to do will get you victory. Yes. What I love about God is that he is so redemption. Look at, look at the other clue in the text. Go back to John 21. Remember at verse 9 in John 21? When they came to land, they saw a fire of coals, and the fire laid on bread. He, uh, let me give you a, another clear what he's doing here. And, and verse 9. See verse 9? When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, and they saw the fish on it. They saw a fire of burning coals, and they saw the fish on it. Hmm. I said, this is interesting. This is called, why? Because turn to John 18 and 18. Who was this for? A fire with burning coals. This will bless you, Bishop. John 18 and 18. Verse 17. 
They said to, to Peter, you're not one of the disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He said, I am. It was cold, and the servants and the officials stood around the fire they had made to keep warm. And Peter was standing with them. Peter, you denied me around a fire with burning coals. I'm going to now restore you around the same thing that you denied me with. Around a fire full of burning coals. Now, wonder he told Elijah to go back the same way you came. Because God is saying, I'm going to speak to somebody today. God is planning to restore you at the same place that you left him. I know you didn't mess.